Welcome to Encouraging Change, a podcast that explores the relationship between motivational interviewing and peer recovery support. Your hosts, Laura Saunders and Chris Kelly, will engage in a conversation that combines their professions and passions, the spirit of motivational interviewing, and the power of peer support. Laura is a Wisconsin State Project Manager for the Great Lakes ATTC, MHTTC, and PTTC, and a seasoned motivational interviewing trainer. Chris is a project manager for the Peer Recovery Center of Excellence and an expert on peer recovery support services. So thank you for joining us today and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to episode four, Skillfully Sharing Lived Experience of Recovery. There are some parts of the evidence-based practice of motivational interviewing that can be helpful with the avoidance of things that are not helpful. So Chris, I'm wondering if it would be okay if today we started with you and you seeing a few words about what you've seen, what you've experienced with this sharing of lived experiences. And what I'm especially interested in is your opinion of what you think is helpful and if you've seen anything that's not helpful. Yeah, uh, thanks, Laura. I think this is a really vital topic. And so I've been on my own journey with this. So from the time I was really introduced to peer support through facilitating a recovery coach academy and so helping others on their pathway to becoming recovery coaches, um, and then in my direct practice. And then, of course, doing these deeper dives into motivational interviewing over the past couple of years, and, and namely a lot of the deep dives I've taken with you. So I've been on a continuum of my understanding of what that means to share my lived experience. And so I think my coming into the, the field, it was really prominent and prevalent that I would if I met you and you were someone I was going to partner up with and walk that pathway of recovery together as your recovery coach, I might sit down and put it all out on the table, meaning I'm a person with lived experience and, you know, here's my full story beginning to end. So my addiction story and my recovery story so that you knew as the person I was going to partner with that you were free to share whatever you wanted to share without judgment, because I too had experienced these things. And I would say, as I refined my practice through trial and error, I, I started to see maybe some discrepancies about what would happen when I, I'll call it oversharing right up front. I noticed that person that I was partnering with would tend to want to know more and more about my story. And it took a longer and longer time to get to their story and what was going on and why we were to set this relationship up. And so it kept coming back to me. You leaned into your lived experience and, and utilized it when it helped you understand where a person was coming from versus just the assumption that if you tell your whole story, automatically you're going to have this supportive, engaged relationship. And curious enough, it was in a class that I was taking from you about motivational interviewing and you'd really, I think it was a group of community health nurses maybe that we were working with. And do you remember how you described that to these nurses? 
that it's not about having had the, that empathy is not about having had the same experience or problem. It can be helpful if you have that same experience or problem, right? Like you then you get a little tiny leg up, but there's always going to be something that's a little bit different, right? Like, so in that case, I guess we were working with community health nurses. And so maybe one of them had diabetes and they sometimes work with people who have diabetes. Well, even if they shared their, like the, the reason we don't, I didn't encourage them to share their story of diabetes with somebody who has diabetes is because if a person, if you build your relationship on, we have the same, and then that person finds anything isn't the same, the whole relationship falls apart. And so if instead you build your relationship on, I'm here for you everything that's important about how we're going to work together is going to come from you, not from me making assumptions about you because I have this similar thing. And right. that to me is much more, it, it, it's much more powerful. It's much more, it's less fraught with potential problems. It's just, it, I am here 100% for you. Can I can I tap into my empathy? Like you said, like my shame, my some, some other emotions more easily. Sure. Sure. I can. And that's okay. But it's not, that's not the only thing I have. I have, I also am a good listener and I know how to reflect and I'm, I'm here for you. Yeah. When I think if I'm completely honest with myself, initially, I would often share my addiction story to get, to get that individual's buy-in. Because I, because we don't necessarily have a degree, um, you know, we might have, we might get a certification, but because we don't get that kind of traditional college, like that type of academic experience of learning and now you graduate and maybe you did internships and there's not such a formal process around peer support of getting that magic wand saying, you are now this. I felt like I sometimes had to earn people's credit through sharing my story with them. And again, what I found in reflecting on those experiences was um, it wasn't always helpful to the person. Like it was cathartic for me, but it wasn't always helpful to the person that I was sharing with. And so I, I really was open to that message when you said it in that class. You piqued my curiosity around why do we share our stories as peers? And can we think about that a little bit differently? that might actually improve the relationships between a peer and a recovery that we're working with. Yeah, sort of in essence, people just want it to be all about them. The person that you're helping wants it to be about them. Just let it be about them. Let them have some time and space for it to just be about them. Yeah, yeah. So many people in recovery have not had the opportunity for something to just be about them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes working with a peer is really scary if you're seeking out help. So working with a recovery coach, it, it is shining the light on a lot of things that you don't necessarily always want the light shown on. And so it can be really uncomfortable as, as well as um, having the experience of oversharing myself. I, I've had peers that want to constantly talk about me. And, and there were times I fell into kind of a trap and, right. and it became about me, the helper. Um, and I didn't realize there was something else going on there that it was, they, it wasn't intentional, I'll say, but it, but it was a lot easier to talk about me than it was for them to talk about themselves. Right. 
right? You know, knowing what you know from me now about peer support, my journey in disclosing my story, what information would you give me? I mean, I think it's just a, a, what our conversation has really illustrated is, is that people really benefit from our empathy. And empathy is, is not, again, about having had the same experience or problem. It, it's about making, it's about hearing and listening to this particular person's struggles, to their dials and levers of change, and making no assumptions that they're going to be anything like ours. And, and just, you know, empathy comes from me being there for you. It's about you, not I. I joke, there's no I in MI. So, <laughs> so I think we, you know, we've really covered that piece well. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to talk about a few other traps that really well-meaning practitioners fall into. And, and these, these happen commonly. Um, and, and I want to bring your people's attention to them because we know that what they do, although they're common, what they do is they make it harder to create meaningful and engaged trusting relationships. And, and so what we, we call them is we call them traps to disengagement or traps to trap us into being not good at engaging. So I'll just go through them and then I kind of want to hear what you think about them, Chris. So the chat trap is where we allow the person and this you you were talking about this right like sometimes people are so uncomfortable with the topic at hand their recovery or all the troubles that they're having with their recovery that they want to talk about something completely off topic and well we might think like oh that's fine we can just talk about whatever you know whatever comes to mind what we know is is that both are allowed to just not when you're when you're in the middle of a conversation and you're helping somebody and you're moving towards change and then all of a sudden you just let that drop and you start talking about any random thing that's really detrimental to your helping relationship people tend to not think as highly of you as a helping professional and they're less likely to move towards change so we want to make sure that when we're, yes, you want to be collegial, you want to be friendly, you want to be nice. But when you're in the middle of a conversation about change, keep your, keep your sights set on that change. Don't allow random, like, let's just start talking about your dog. Yeah. That's the chat trap. So another uh, trap that people can fall into is called the question and answer trap. And I know that it's easy to think that when you're really super engaged, you're just asking a ton of questions. Like, oh, I, I show it, I ask a lot of questions and that's how people know that I really care about them because I'm really listening. And what the message that questions really in essence give is I'm going to ask some questions and you're going to answer them. And so what that gives people the impression of is that we're just there to kind of assess assess them. I'm going to gather a bunch of information from you and then I can fix your problems. And so that's not supportive or building of a relationship either. Um, and it, so the assessment trap is also disengaging. And then the, um, another one is called the expert trap. And given the nature of the relationship and the fact that people have, you know, shared experience, the expert trap can be especially tempting. The 
in the expert trap, it's, it's when people, when the helper assumes that they know what other people, the other person, the person who's there, the peer um, should do, because after all, they're the expert. I'm recovered. So let me tell you what you should do. And well, you very well do know a lot about helping people get better. That's, that's what you're there for, right? Simply telling them what to do from an expert vantage point is unhelpful. And so like in the last podcast, when I wanted to give you information or tell, you know, give you a piece of information, I asked you, right? I partnered with you. I didn't just say, Chris, this is what you ought to do. And that's what happens when we fall into the expert trap. Like I can see exactly what you need to do and I'm going to tell you what to do. And then the last one is the labeling trap. And the labeling trap is the insistence that a person accept a label. Like, oh, you're in denial. You have a problem with this. This is, you are a blank. You are a blank. And that trap, oftentimes people are willing to move forward. They want help. They want to change their behavior, but they don't like the the label that comes with it. And in, from a motivational interviewing perspective, we say, you do not have to be labeled as anything. If you want to move towards change, I'm totally cool with that. So I don't know how you see that, that or any of these other traps show up in the work that you've been doing with peers, Chris. Yeah. So I think every, you know, based on kind of what we talked about earlier, I identified, you know, essence of the chat trap. So Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot easier for me to talk about you than it is to talk about me. If I'm the one coming to you, you know, for some coaching, definitely again with the expert trap, because I came up as a peer in the community, I would almost get defensive, meaning, Mm -hmm. well, I know I'm not the expert. So a lot of times it's, it's through no malice. And it's not someone trying to be the expert. It's hard when you're really excited and you do think you have something that could help someone to not just blurt it out. And so it's more a stage of excitement and like, oh, I'm so excited because I get to help somebody on their pathway to recovery. And that's going to, it's just so exciting um, to offer some solutions and do that upfront work of that. Um, you know, reflecting back and summarizing what someone says to you and then asking permission to share. The assessment trap too is it's hard, it's easy to fall into, I have this list of things that I really want to know. And so I'm going to sure I ask all these questions. So I have all the information so that we can make a decision. Mm -hmm. What about the labeling trap? I I wonder how that, or if that's not something that peers are likely to do. I think it definitely is. It's going to come in a lot of different forms. Um, I myself mm-hmm. had worked with somebody who was an older gentleman and a, a veteran, and I happened to be helping him. He was coming into a methadone clinic, and he had to assure me when he came in that his experience in um, becoming addicted through a prescription, and so it was very important to him that I didn't apply a label to him in order for him to receive any sort of help from me. And, and so it is important for us to, to be cognizant of if we're ever applying labels to people or we're offering help contingent on a label. Mm-hmm. In, yeah. the, in denial or, um, well, you just haven't hit rock bottom yet or 
if you work it, it'll work. I mean, there's lots of slogans in the recovery field too, that I mm -hmm. think can be hurtful for certain individuals. Mm -hmm. Today we took on the issue of sharing one shared experience and the purpose of it in terms of relationship building and anything else you want to add to this before we end today, Chris? I'm sure a lot of listeners have been through uh, some sort of recovery coach training and I think we learn a lot. Again, I think of my experience of being a recovery coach on a continuum and five years from now I'll have a whole new set of things to say about it, but it's, I think it's an opportunity always to pause in, in building our relationships and sharing information and asking that question, is what I'm about to share really going to help the person's experience? And a mentor of mine always said, ask why five times. Um, and when we do that kind of work, as a recovery coach and even find different peer networks to do that work with so that we have other professionals that we can kind of chew on this stuff with, it only enhances our, our capabilities as a recovery coach to help more people in a more impactful way. So I don't think it's as right or wrong, but it's definitely, there's an art to it. We balance what we know from the science of motivational interviewing, the art of that real life experience and doing some of the work and trying different things out and not getting just our mindset on a single way of doing things. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking with me today, Chris. I love talking with you about motivational interviewing and your expertise on uh, peers and, and perspective is always really appreciated. So thank you. Thank you, Chris, and thanks um, to all of you who listen. Thanks for your time and your consideration of this topic. Thanks, Laura, and we'll be back with episode five where we'll talk about personalizing peer support, the uniqueness of the recovery process. This podcast is sponsored by the Great Lakes, HETC, MHTTC, and PTTC, which are funded through cooperative agreements with SAMHSA. The opinions expressed in this recording are those of the speakers and do not represent the official position of SAMHSA or DHHS. Thank you again for joining us on the Encouraging Change podcast. If you are a new listener, please follow us on social media and don't forget to like and subscribe to the Great Lakes current YouTube channel to access many more free products and resources just like this.